Hi everyone and welcome for Module 15 on Luminosity. Again tonight there are beautiful storms around the valley where I do this recording, so hopefully you can feel the beautiful energy. Prayer and faith are powerful topics and when we take out the idea of personal philosophy or religion, what we're meeting with in these sacred moments of prayer is our luminosity, the brilliant light of our isness. Most human beings, regardless of how spiritual or awakened or conscious they feel they are, do not fully realise and own their own luminosity. Deep in the dredges of human experience, we've come to inwardly perceive ourselves as unworthy, impure, and a faulty example of some expected idea we have of perfection. Most people feel insecure, broken, struggle with thoughts full of judgments for themselves and others, and feel less than optimum. And for some, they may even label themselves as disgusting, revolting, or hate who they are. The drop from oneness into a duality-based world has been hard for most souls. They dropped into families of other souls who have projected their own perceived imperfections, such as rage, anger, dysfunction, judgment and unworthiness. Our families have hurt us and caused us pain. So have other human beings in the world. And this has happened for generations. So like the blind leading the blind, these caretakers then create new generations of damaged people who feel less than some expectation. For generations of human experience, since we've been able to measure ourselves in time and space, We've sought to understand ourselves in time and space. This measuring has made us measure ourselves against each other, against our ideas of perfection and against others' ideas of perfection. For most, this experience of measuring self is so loud, it is all-consuming as a constant chatter in the mind, always debasing, constantly seeking evidence of imperfection. What we seek, we will always find, so the mind shows us this evidence to us frequently, assuring us that our own berating nature is well justified. I have met people who are so impaired by this inner voice they are suicidal. I know what that feels like from the inside as I used to be one of them. Particularly when pain has been a staple in your experience growing up, it's hard not to imagine you don't deserve it that some part of you is unworthy or meant to suffer. For most people who experience this level of mental chatter, it is difficult to imagine there is another way to be or that you deserve to have a different experience. There is always a glimmer of hope inside all of us, a quiet little voice that gets louder as we listen to it. This voice comes from our knowing of what we truly deserve. It compels us to keep hoping that there could be another way. It leads us to the actualization of our hopes and dreams. Sometimes it feels frustrating to have this voice of hope as often the evidence to the contrary continues to show up. When we are in this cycle of detriment, it's easy to become stuck, to ignore the voice of hope even if we hear it occasionally. If we stay in the cycle of detriment too long, it can feel like it suppresses the hope. Psychologists may deem this depression or give it any other label of mood disorder. 
what we're really experiencing is reality, a reality that feels horrendous. If we didn't feel depressed about it, I would suggest there would be something wrong with us. If you've ever been stuck in a cycle of detriment, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's a dark place. Sometimes it's even called the dark night of the soul, a term coined to describe what feels like a cycle of detriment, but it's actually just a wonderful rite of passage and initiation into something more ecstatic than we ever knew was possible. As human beings, we are afraid of the dark within ourselves. We've been taught to fear its power over us. We've been told it's socially unacceptable to feel suicidal, depressed, crazy, hopeless, angry, resentful, rage, terror. Yet, these are all part of the human experience and they're a very important part of it. For a luminous soul to drop into a duality-based world, a world where both the light and dark of our human experience are teachers, we must often choose to encounter darkness. This is why the brightest souls often have the darkest experiences in early childhood. Imagine dropping a really bright light into a deep, dark ocean. In order for that light to not be seeing itself and not being seen, it would have to go very deep into the dark. We can only learn about ourselves in a duality-based world by being separated from oneness fully for a time. In the first, usually five years of a child's life, they are slowly experiencing this separation from source. If you have a look in the actual module, the written version, you'll see there's two pictures of a two-year-old and a five-year-old child. And you can see on their faces how the five-year-old has already lost touch with the fullness of her luminosity. She's already shrouded by cycles of detriment she's embodying into. When we are around 28 to 32, something usually awakens in us to reconnect with Source. For some of us, this compulsion to reconnect happens earlier, but for most souls, it takes a full chakra cycle of just learning to be embodied before we ask, what more is there? and discover our spirit. At this point, we usually realize there is something luminous to which we belong. But by this point, we are shrouded in personal belief about our faults and usually spend the rest of our lives dissolving all cycles of detriment we have created. As each one loses its power over us, we return to the awareness of our luminosity. I say return to the awareness because it's not the case that our luminosity ever left us. It was always there, but was literally shrouded by layers of mental structures and beliefs. Imagine for a moment that you are wearing a thousand layers of clothing. Can you feel how heavy that would be? How would it restrict your movement? Stop you from being free? How much energy would it take to carry all that? And yet we do carry that many layers of cycles of detriment. Imagine how hard it would be to see the light glowing inside of you when you had so many layers covering your entire body. Now imagine starting to move forward, taking layer by layer off and leaving it behind. Eventually you'd be running through the field called life, ripping off the layers as you joyfully and ecstatically got lighter with each layer disrobing. When you were completely naked, you would be clear, beautiful and solid light. This is our true form, pure luminosity, 
and it is always there under the surface of all we shroud it with. Here's how you grow in week one. For week one, I want you to simply sit with this idea. You are wearing layers of stuff that shrouds your light. Don't worry too much about what the stuff is. Just know there is probably still some stuff. Think about your life journey so far. Can you see from your childhood when the layers of stuff got added? Can you see when you started removing the layers? And can you get a sense or guess how many layers you started with and how many there still are? I always feel that our minds need to be part of our journey to full consciousness. Despite our mind's true purpose, which is to catalogue all we experience, compartmentalise it and file it away for storage. Our mind tends to need a job to do, particularly as our luminosity becomes less shrouded. One of the functions it can serve is to be the recorder of where we are. All rally drivers need a co-driver to help them navigate upcoming corners and challenges and our mind can be this for us, as it always tries to be. It presents information that is valid based on past experiences. It can also measure where we are based on where we have been because it is such a good record keeper. What better way to help you feel as though you are progressing than to check in, say, once a year, not too often, and ask how many layers are left to remove on your journey to remembering your exuberant luminosity. This would help you measure where you are and know you are progressing through the cycles of detriment. Tune into yourself in week one, feel into how many layers you feel you had at the beginning of your journey, how many are left to go. Ask your guidance to give you actual numbers or percentages of how far along to embody luminosity freedom you are and write them down in your journal. Plan to check in once a year so you can measure your progress. Hear also that it's time to give our minds purpose and instruction on how to fulfill that purpose. Your mind may be presently seeking evidence to prove theories you have about yourself. What theories you have are up to you. What hypothesis are you presently trying to prove? As an example, if you're trying to prove the hypothesis that you have no time, then your brain will present you with lots of evidence that this is true. If your hypothesis is that you are weak, you will gain lots of experiences that will show you this is true. So here's how you grow in week two. Think about what hypotheses you do have. Spend week two contemplating this and write them down. These hypotheses are always recurring ideas. They don't happen once, they turn up in our thoughts often. We often also see evidence to support these ideas. Write a list of recurring ideas you have about your experience. Some examples might be a hypothesis like, I am fat, I never attract abundance, it is impossible for me to attract love, I never get as much as I give, there is never enough time for me, I am too old or I am too young, I am not attractive enough, I don't fit in, I am alone, I don't belong, I can't do this. Or yours could be many other perceived limitations. Whatever they are, they'll make you feel as though you're not the very best version of yourself that you could be. 
You will find that your cycles of detriment return you to these thoughts often. You will see evidence everywhere that confirms your hypothesis that continues to perpetuate the cycle and around you go again with a stronger hypothesis to your detriment. What thought programs run frequently for you? Once you've written them down, order them from most present to least present, noticing which ones are your strongest hypotheses, thoughts and beliefs. If your hypothesis is so directly linked to your experience because of your mind's function to collect and record data, then one of the ways you can instantly become more luminous is to try on a new hypothesis. When two hypotheses are working side by side, there will be a conflict. For example, if one of your present hypotheses is, I never have enough money, and then you try it on a new hypothesis like, as a luminous child of the universe, money flows to me endlessly and easily. Eventually, the stronger hypothesis would begin to create the experience of it as reality. In quantum physics, they call this superpositioning. In psychology, they call it the Pygmalion effect. When something becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, and in spirituality, of course, they call it affirmations or manifesting. But all of these things require you to believe the more empowering affirmation which is not always easy. Also, dismantling all of our belief structures and knowing what hypothesis to believe takes time and effort. For many, the dismantling of these cycles of detriment takes decades, during which time many experience bouts of depression as they lose hope, waiting for so long for things to become clear. So what I'd like to invite you to try this month is welcoming in a new super hypothesis. If you can allow this to invade your thoughts, it will seep through all of your cycles of detriment and render them complete. In no time at all, you'll be dancing through that field of light, path lit by your own luminosity and ecstatically weaving your world the way it was meant to be. So here's how you grow in week three. In week three, try this on and see what happens. You may like to print what is written next, and again, you can access that in the printed version, or create your very own version of these words. Now you know what you have faith in more clearly. Place the words somewhere where you'll see them frequently during the day. I want you to try and imagine you are not a human being. You are a droplet of starlight, temporarily inhabiting a human body. You belong to a ginormous ocean of droplets of starlight that all flow in the currents of time. See the ocean of life with its many currents to which you belong. Feel the presence of your connectedness to this field of light, its vastness. It is all-encompassing. In this field of light, you cannot be tainted. You cannot be damaged. For your light is indestructible, it is impenetrable. You are presently experiencing a deep current of the ocean where there is much to explore, many dimensions to experience, light and dark at different layers of the ocean's depth. The current is slow and thoughtful and the consciousness exploration is very deep. But your light is still intact and remains so. No matter how deep you go, or how much the current slows. You are luminous light. You can never be anything else. See yourself glowing amidst the darkness, 
like the starlight you are. Your droplet experiences much in the ocean, shallow shells, deep undersea caverns, deep underwater trenches, coral reefs, turquoise blue, warm waters and icy seas. But whatever you experience, your luminosity and form remains intact. You are a luminous being of light. You are made of stars, the oldest of things in form. Your wisdom pervades every experience of all that is, was or will ever be. As you belong to this wisdom, you are one with this field. See yourself like a photon of light, a tiny cell in the largest organism that ever was or will be. Where there is light, there can be no darkness. You are untaintable. Feel your light growing. Each day you accept your true nature, you travel even more deeply into the core of your light. What is outside this does not matter. It cannot affect you. Your core is surrounded by impenetrable light. In this central place is your essence self, the core of your luminosity. This is you. Feel where this is in your body. Feel the seat of your essence self. Feel where it resides in you. You are in the field with other luminous beings. Feel them rubbing alongside of you in the river of life. See the light get brighter when you cluster together like this as your islands of light shine into the darkness. None can change your core, even if they help you experience a certain moulded shape for a while. Feel the gentle massaging of those in the current with you as souls rub shoulders, dance, play and flow together for a time. This is what you belong to. This vast story is your true story. You are a luminous being in a light field with all others made of the essence of life. If you try on this new hypothesis, you will experience the world as this luminosity. This is your true, real nature. Put a version of those words somewhere where you'll see them often. Make those ideas your new hypothesis and start to approach all situations and relations, experiences and challenges with this as your underpinning hypothesis. How would you approach this as an indestructible luminous being in a world with other indestructible luminous beings? Contemplate this in week three and see what happens. While we acknowledge our light in this human form, it is also important to experience from the perspective of experiencing duality, which is what we all came here for. Have you ever noticed that every time you heal a cycle of detriment, you feel more joyous and better? You hold more light, you feel brighter and lighter? This is the purpose of experiencing duality. How better to re-understand oneness than to step outside of it and try and find our way back to this. The learnings along the way offer another pathway to once again seek and experience oneness. This is humanity's larger purpose. We will all find a different path back to oneness. We will add this knowledge to the collective and eventually have a roadmap within the consciousness of oneness 
for all beings, no matter what path they choose, to experience oneness. So when we are experiencing our darkness, know that this is in service of our luminosity. We need to explore our darkness to become fully luminous. As I've mentioned in other modules, sometimes spiritual students bypass this darkness and this limits their full actualization in light. I've included two meditations with this month's module that you should try and use regularly as methods to actively engage your shadow. Do these processes or others at least once out of every seven prayer, meditation or centering events you practice. Many often believe that the spiritual path means we will experience joy, ecstasy and bliss all the time. And they become disembodied and disappointed when they discover there is still personal healing work to do at every single level of our journey to full realisation. I often have this conversation with students and usually at least once with my advanced teachers in their journey. Here are some facts about luminosity and the shadow it casts in this dimension. Imagine the shadow an ant casts. When we first open to our light, we see this shadow we cast. This is a small shadow. We heal things that feel large because we are new at acknowledging them or knowing how to work through them. In the beginning, the shadow feels painful, yet it is the small surface level shadow. As our consciousness expands, we become brighter. Our light may be as bright as a small cat. Consider the shadow a cat casts in comparison to an ant. It is much bigger. As we progress into our developing conscious awareness, we become aware of more of our shadow and it is usually painful. We have much healing to do and as we do this, our light gets brighter. As the process of self-healing continues, we may end up as big as a mountain. Imagine the shadow a mountain casts. Whilst the shadow is larger and grows with the light we embody, allowing us to look more deeply into all aspects of ourselves, we also process that shadow more easily. We are less attached to it or stressed about it, understanding that this is just part of the process. My point here is that luminosity does not mean we are without a shadow. My second point is that your shadow work gets bigger, not smaller, as you progress in consciousness. One of the main reasons why people bail out of consciousness and conscious awareness. My third point is that your attitude towards your shadow is what makes it easier despite it getting deeper and more multidimensional, which sometimes feels larger to explore. If you think there should be no shadow and you bypass at this point, it feels massive and overwhelming and can often lead to breakdown. Your hypothesis of your luminosity has to be combined with a hypothesis about your shadow. Try what I say now um, as a hypothesis about your shadow and see how it helps you to feel about all process work you are doing. You cannot stand in the light all the time. You cannot stand in the dark all of the time. You can never be stuck in your luminosity nor your shadow if you wish to continue growing. Your shadow is not scary as it can never be bigger than your light. It is your light that casts your shadow and therefore there is an awareness within you always measuring out what you can handle. 
You are always safe to view your shadow because you can only see it when you are standing in your light. We never eradicate our shadow. We merely create good relations with it. Your fear of your own shadow is what makes it grow larger in your mind than it really is. Your shadow exploration is the key to more luminosity. Every time you understand your shadow more, your light can grow again. Do not fear your shadow. Appreciate it. It is the mechanism that allows you to experience more ecstasy and beauty in your life. To become light is to honour the darkness within as sacred. You've heard me say in other modules how my most profound spiritual epiphanies have come through work on anger, not joy, love or anything else we deem nice. Your deepening relationship with your shadow is what makes you luminous. There is nothing to be ashamed of, to acknowledge our shadow, to speak its truth, to honour the sacred teachings it is presently offering us. When we are around others who are awakening their luminosity here, they get it. They know the shadow is sacred. They meet us in this vulnerability as we all stand here in humble acceptance of what is, exploring, feeling, centering. This is the sacred company you journey with in the ocean of luminosity and life. These are the sacred brothers and sisters you must recognize here in the world so you may swim together and make the dark easier to handle as together you brighten the way forward. Your luminosity also means not trying to have this awareness with those whose path is different to yours. If their luminosity is only awakened as a crack and yours is a vast chasm, then don't try and crack them open and don't try to share your shadow process with those who do not understand it. We are all on a different pathway and swimming in the currents of that universal ocean of consciousness in ways that are right for us. Accept others' pathways without trying to hang on to them or expecting them to hang on to you as you swim. This lets us all maximise energy and effortless luminosity. So, as we are, we are, and we allow others to be the same. Feel the liberation in this. The more we let the unveiling of our luminous self be organic and responsive to each person's right timing and way, Feel the gentleness with which we approach things. Feel the impact on the world as the children of light begin to awaken in the world. As is already happening, there is a cumulative effect where ripples of light are helping those who want to awaken remember how. This is the divine dance of luminosity you are co-creating here. Thank you for remembering.